On this episode, we talk to Adam Tyler of FIBA fame. We talk about the new Certified Practitioner in Specialist Property Finance program, the latest on what FIBA's up to, issues facing the market, and much, much more. Now, it's time to spend 30 minutes in finance. I'm Adam Tyler. I'm the chairman of the Financial Intermediary and Broker Association, are often known as FIBA, because it's easier to, to say that. I've been looking after brokers involved in commercial finance for the last 18 years now, so so quite a long time. I have been a broker in the past and have worked for a a lender previously as well, so I've actually worked on both sides of the coin, so I've experienced on on both, on all sides really. Um, I've seen a number of different changes to the market over that period of time, obviously living through the financial crisis of 2008 and obviously through um, the pandemic and all the things that we're going through today, and I'm sure David and I will cover some of those areas. I'm also a director of a group based in Westminster called the Genesis Initiative. We look after 1.2 million SMEs, and quite luckily, I do have a few customers of my own, so I'm actually a broker working at the coalface, not with many customers because my full-time role is looking after FIBA. Perfect. And and thanks for coming on, Adam. As I, I said, appreciate your time. Um, and I think with Good place to start, obviously, with FIBA being, would you say, your your main thing? Are you able to give us a, an update on sort of the latest and greatest with what FIBA is up to? Yeah, FIBA is, is, is my main role. The other roles are all periphery, and I try and fit them in around uh, other times of, of the week because I spend five days a week looking after FIBA and its members and its, and its lender partners. FIBA was set up to look after those involved purely in the specialist property finance space. And I'll define specialist property finance as bridging loans, development finance, commercial mortgages, and specialist buy-to-let, even though we do include other types of buy-to-let. And FIBA's role as a not-for-profit organization is to make sure we bring everybody together, whether you're a, a lender, whether you're a broker, or any kind of intermediary, solicitor, valuer, and also providers as well, like we do have a number of um, tech companies that are involved in providing different services across our membership. And FIBA's role is really to make sure that everybody's doing things correctly from a compliance and regulatory point of view in the industry, but at the same time, bringing everybody together so people have the opportunity to, to write more business, help customers, and, and really make sure that the transactions that are taking place are done in, a, in quite a timely manner. And FIBA does have a number of different projects uh, at the moment, the largest being the education piece, which I'm sure we'll cover in some detail. And we also originally set up the Specialist Property Finance Club, which is to help other advisors become more involved in our industry. Yeah, because we're a, a member, or is it a patron? I don't know what oh, we're, yeah. <laughs> a partner. Um, and it, it's been really great for us. Obviously, we, we do the sort of adverts now and then. Um, and it's something that I think we, we should be trying to be a bit more involved in um when it comes to sort of the the unregulated or the the sort of spaces the specialist market that you were describing have you got any sort of general vibe on the the sort of how healthy that market is at the moment currently at the moment obviously we've been through a through a difficult time for a number of reasons um, and it seems to be compounded by one thing after another but i think if you ask me to sum up things today, I'd say they're more stable now than they have been for the last two or three weeks. We, whilst it's not relevant to our particular market, we have seen now a topping out, I think, of residential mortgage rates, which obviously is going to have some effect on our market. So I think the overriding word that I would use is that things are more stable. Um, unfortunately, 
We don't have all the lenders in the market that we did have previously. Some of them at the moment are quite rightly being cautious in what they do. And we've also seen a tightening of criteria because there is still some uncertainty in what's going to happen with the UK property market, both residential and commercial. And I've seen some very varied estimates. Um, figures quoted today were saying we're going to see a property drop or seen a property drop already of 9%. I don't think we've actually seen that quite yet. Others are quite optimistic and saying we only lose five. Um, I've heard some real pessimism saying that we're going to lose 20% off of all property prices across the whole of the UK in 2023. And I, I think that's taking things too far. I don't think we'll be going down that route. Um, yeah. And it'd be somewhere in between, maybe somewhere between five and 10, possibly. Yeah, because I, I would probably agree with that. There's got to be some cooling off because it was incredibly, it was a very hot market for, for quite a while. Um, and yeah, it, it just has to. <laughs> I don't think that that sort of growth is sustainable. Um, and it, it definitely will sort of it, yeah, it, impact it's not everything. And if you think we lose 10%, that's only going to take us back to May 21 prices. So yeah. we actually put it in those terms. If we lose 10% off the off the property prices, we're going back to May 2021, which has already seen incredible growth through the pandemic. So, uh, you know, it, it it won't be devastating and have an effect on people. Of course it will. And it'll have effect on those where they were lending at high LTVs um, during the pandemic, particularly in the short-term market, where, where if you're lending up to 80% LTV and then you've got charges at 1% a month and then and um, obviously all the arrangement fees, and you can quite closely get up to that 100% value even before we see any property prices fall off. Yeah, that that is something that has surprised me. The amount of lenders that are or had incredibly high uh, sort of loan to values. And I guess that that's kind of an interesting point in terms of the competitiveness of the market. Do you think there, well, there's been a few people, as you mentioned, sort of pulling back a little bit at the moment. But how do you find that? Is there still an abundance of lenders and is it easy to access the money or is that sort of getting a little bit harder? Um, I mean, one of the two main things on that really, one is the liquidity we've got now is, yeah, there's, there's plenty of liquidity in the market. There's, there's, there's plenty of funds available for um, specialist property finance. I mean, this market has grown since I've been involved from 300 million to whatever the estimates are, eight, nine, 10 billion. So the market's market is huge. Uh, but also, on the other point of the high LTVs, the due diligence that's done on those by the lender community, those high rates, is, is quite extreme. They know there's an exit there. So I think that I wouldn't be overly concerned about that at this moment in time, particularly if we're looking at the lower end of, of UK property prices drop, dropping that, that 5 to 10% piece. Um, but it's always down to the exits, always has been down to, to those exits. But in direct answer to your question, if you're looking for a, a, a short-term loan, if you're looking for a bridging loan in the market, there's plenty of providers out there still for you. Yeah, because it is with those lenders um, and, and sort of we've been fairly cautious with sort of the, the approach that we've taken to our loan-to-value to make sure that we're still offering the same loan-to-value as we were, but at the same time, not necessarily to as many people as we would have before um, because the potential exits are a little harder because of the rates going up, the affordability. Um, do you, have you found that to be the case, that, that essentially what is being marketed might be the same, but what's actually achievable has, has decreased, or have you not really felt that? Oh, 100% I've felt that. One, one the LTVs have, have come back. Um, 
we're looking at 60, 65% in most cases in reality um, as an LTV for a, for a bridging loan. Um, whatever the advertise rate is, that's what we're looking at. But the real issue is the exits, David. That's where the real issue lies because one, we have a dearth of um, commercial term lenders in the UK. It's quite difficult to place commercial term business and, and, and I know that, whether it's owner occupier or commercial investment. So there's an issue with, with the um, exits. We've seen an increase in um, buy-to-let rates, and you've got to compare then the interest rate that the landlord's paying against the yields. And we've come from a relatively low yield environment in certain parts of the country where now um, the interest rate charged will outstrip the yield that they're already seeing. So that, that creates another issue. And of course, then I mentioned the residential market, um, and the residential market has seen this, this quite large increase in rates. Um, fixed rates have become much harder to come by as, as things settle down. Um, tracker mortgages are, are quite prevalent again at the moment, um, uh, particularly trackers with um, no early repayment charges, which is allowing them to exit when to, to fixed rates when they actually stabilise a little bit more. So I think there's quite a focus on exits, definitely, as well. So you as a, as a, as a lender will certainly want to know how you're going to get your loan repaid in, in 12 months' time. Very hard to predict what that market's going to look like in 12 months' time, but certainly in the moment, exits are far more difficult than they have been for a number of years. Yeah, and uh, we, we've definitely noticed that. And a lot of people uh, are kind of, uh, well, because of that, we are being a little bit more cautious on the higher loan to values, especially if the exit is a refinance. We're, we're, actually, we're making sure that that is achievable um, and, and always have done, but more so now than, than ever before. As the, the unregulated space um, pretty much is left to do its own self-regulating, that there's sort of certain parameters. Is there anything that you've noticed or, or that you're sort of pushing towards um, to actually try and sort of uh, curtail or sort of rein back some of the sort of operators in the space that actually act in a what would be deemed as an unprofessional um, or sort of not fair manner, if okay. that makes sense. Um, I mean, I could, I could talk at length about this and I will do. I'll talk about the education. <laughs> I'll talk about the people that are coming into our space, which are helping this market. One thing I want to start with, though, is this the, the, the short term lending market has become far more professional as, as every year has gone by. You know, the professionalism that, that I've overseen over the last 18 years, you know, is unrecognizable to what it was when, when I first got involved. So so we've made yeah. huge, huge steps forward, um, self-regulated by all of us involved, whether it's lenders, whether it's brokers, whoever it is. Obviously, that's been helped by um, the FCA rules changed in 2014 to for them to take when they took over the Consumer Credit Act. So consumer credit regulation plays its part in the way we behave. More recently, consumer duty is also touching upon our industry as well and the, and the way that we all deal with consumers. So I think whilst we say unregulated, there are elements of regulation which do touch us as an industry, regardless of, of what we think, that certainly does. One of the issues that I think is ongoing, if you want me to pick one out, is the um, default fees is what happens to that loan when, and particularly, you know, particularly relevant at the moment, what happens to that loan when it gets to the end of the term and the exit hasn't materialized and the customer needs an extension um, to actually exit properly or to refinance to another bridging lender, which is a whole series of discussions we can have because you already mentioned the word 
refinance. So you're obviously seeing refinances from bridge to bridge happening. Yeah. So I think that's an issue that um, the industry still needs to focus on is that transparency around what happens at the end of a, um, of a short-term loan when it's not repaid on time. And we do have some issues that we need to address there with some of our lenders. Most are very, very transparent, but I think most terms will, will be a little bit more flexible than perhaps you want them to be. Yeah, because we've, we've noticed some and some that have actually created an unsurmountable barrier um, to actually getting that refinance. So we occasionally do look at sort of rebridging with our own funds, um, depending on the scenario and why they've got to the position they're in. Um, but occasionally, given the extra fees, it actually puts up a, it makes it virtually impossible, um, even at sort of relatively maximum loan to values. Um, and that is something that I've seen sort of especially spread across LinkedIn, people sort of sharing stories and some of them are, are quite uh, terrifying. Um, yeah. And I think it's best to be fairly open and honest with, with what you do. Um, because would you say that the, the barrier to entry for both lenders and brokers in this industry, would you say it's too low or is it too easy to get into or is it just about right? I think for, if we took a look at lenders, it's been relatively simple over the years for anybody as a lender to enter this market. Um, you know, you could say it's been too easy, but we've seen some, some come in on that basis and make real successes and running some really brilliant businesses. So, so you can't, put barriers in place otherwise that wouldn't necessarily have happened yeah but for lenders has become more difficult access to funds currently whilst i mentioned liquidity as a as a newer lender it's not as easy to put your hands on on that capital as you, as it would have been in the past if you're already established then yes there's there's funds available from various sources both across the uk and from other parts of the world so the barrier to entry naturally for a lender has become harder what we're seeing from the broker market is um, more people from the fully regulated side coming across and actually becoming involved in short-term lending in the bridging industry. But of course, when they come across, they're bringing all their regulated activities with them, whether that's fact finds, whether that's suitability letters, um, whatever it is, they're bringing that into the industry. And, and you can't say that that's not a bad thing. You, you, you can't. Um, I mean, that's actually adding to the industry by, by them coming in and, and bringing their practices and doing things in a different way, which you must appreciate as a lender. You know, if you've got brokers that are coming in and they've given you business and they are fully regulated, whilst they may not have the experience of those of us that are commercial finance brokers, they're bringing in good practices, which, you know, we, we can adopt and we can all look at. Yeah, as that is something that we have noticed. I probably get a call every week or every other week from somebody that is, has seen or has had to do a bridge um, and then sort of realized that they're actually very useful sort of tools for quite a lot of clients, not every client, obviously, or, or borrower, um, but they, they want to learn more, see how they can use that. Um, and yeah, we, we're getting quite a, a lot of those activities. And I think that sort of very nicely does bring us on to the, um, the, the question about the, the new certificate that you guys are looking to launch or are launching, um, because all those regulated brokers, or I would say, yeah, I think it is all of them, if they've got uh, sort of regulated mortgage advice, have to have um, a CMAP or equivalent, yes. I believe. Um, and in order to do that, 
uh, I've I did one personally. You've got to go through. I think it's three exams. Um, yeah, I can't yeah. remember. It's, it's been a while <laughs> um, yeah. of, of various difficulties and then various sort of actual practical tests and everything. Um, and once you've done that, you sit with someone and they help you. And, and obviously then you're able to sort of start advising on your own. Um, with the new certificate that's coming in, are you able to give us a, a sort of outline of what you're looking to achieve with that and, and what it will sort of cover off? Yeah, certainly. I mean, it's called the Certified Practitioner in Specialist Property Finance, and it um, comes from the same stable as CMAP, um, the London Institute of Banking and Finance. It's not a module of CMAP. Um, I've been involved in exams in commercial finance for 18 years or, or so, um, and looked after the certificate in commercial mortgages for, for a while. Um, it was, it was a modular CMAP, but it wasn't compulsory, which made it very difficult um, to actually keep running. And, and, it, and it just slowly sort of stopped over a period of time. And some years ago, I went back to the LIBF and we tried to get involved and get a bridging style exam in place. But there wasn't the momentum at the time from the from anybody really, from the lender community or the broker community. But we did try. Um, however, wow, in 2021 and 2022, the momentum shifted completely to a, a, every single lender, to a man and, and a woman um, has really got behind this project and said, look, we want to see something in place that's actually going to allow people passing business to us to be educated, um, to understand a little bit more about the industry, to, to, to understand how things actually work, because we're seeing new people coming in, exactly as you've just said and I've, I've already said. On top of that, the broker community, as I said, there's people coming across from the residential mortgage side and IFAs asking me the question, well, where can we learn more about this, Adam? How can we how can we find out more? And we don't really have anything. So on reapproaching the LOBF, they, they welcomed us and said, yes, we can do this. So what we've actually done is we've we've garnered together a number of authors from, from within the industry. Um, we've constructed a syllabus in conjunction with, with the LIBF. We've written, we've styled it in a CMAP format. And we've come up with a 35, 40 hour study program that covers bridging loans, development finance, commercial mortgages and buy to let. 40 hours to cover all those subjects. Yes, it, it, you're trying to cram quite a lot in within that period of time, um, but we seem to have managed it. All the topics have now been authored. The last one um, is now in. Um, they are all being edited by the staff at the LIBF, which, is, which has university status. This will lead to a two-hour assessment done in the same way as CMAP is um, through a driving test centre and so on. It consists of 50 multiple choice questions, but what I really wanted to see was some case studies. So the case studies, if you remember back to CMAP 3, you're given a, you're given a scenario and you have some multiple choice questions underneath. We've got four of those um, across a two-hour exam along with the 50 um, multiple choice questions covering all those aspects I've mentioned, especially property finance. The first registrations will come out in December. First modules will be available to study in January. And we expect the first uh, first students, let's call us all students, to have taken that by the end of Q1, probably will be out with the first assessments in, in March time, March 2023. It is designed for everybody. It's designed for the lender community. It's designed for, for brokers. It's designed for the most experienced as well as new people coming to the industry. And one of the questions I was asked, which was very important, was could somebody take it who's not involved in the industry? And the answer is yes. 
the same way as they can take a seam up. Um, I've seen all the topics. I mean, I get to see them all because I need to read them all and make sure they're covering all the areas that um, we set out in the syllabus. And it is and recent, the most recent one I've looked at is the one on development finance. And it is extremely beneficial to anybody coming into the industry. You'll read that, you'll read those six, 7,000 words. At the end of it, you have a very good understanding of what's involved in a de development finance transaction. But I'll come back to what you said, David. It, you will need to sit to, with somebody and learn how to do it, but it will give you a basis on, on, of understanding on to allow you to start to become involved in, in our industry if you want to, or to move across from the, from, a, from being involved in the residential side, and that will cover bridging and commercial mortgages and buy to let as well. So hopefully that gives you a very quick overview of what's involved. Yeah, it's an interesting one. And, and you mentioned, obviously, the sort of groundswell of uh, interest increased in 2021. Do you have any idea what sort of caused that? Was it just a, a general idea of, you know, things were sort of maybe uh, not getting out of hand? That might be the wrong word, but they might it might be useful for something where they can, people can go. And so everyone operating in the industry has a sort of at least base level and is this hope it's something you're hoping to be compulsory um or where do you see it going okay so the answer to your first part of it i think as the as the industry had professionalized over the years it felt as though by now we needed to have something we've done all these other things but we needed to have something that people could could take and have as a, as a badge and literally there is an electronic badge that goes with it the designation is cpsp so the badge has been designed, you know, I've sat and signed up on the badge even, and the badge says CPSP, and it's, it's one that people can put on their emails, put on their letterheads and show that they've actually taken it and passed. So that puts everybody in the similar sort of position as you, as you refer to it as, as being base level, and it is. Compulsory, we can't make it compulsory at the moment because you as a lender will want business. You want to take business from, from the right kind of sources, but you don't want to be um, hamstrung by having to, to rely on somebody having that badge. Over a period of time, I think it will happen. I think people will say, well, everybody else is taking it, I'm going to take it. And that's why it's designed at, at all levels. Um, the reason behind it, number of people coming into the industry, different people asking for it uh, as well, saying, is there someone we can learn? And it just felt as though the time was right. We're seeing more and more regulation coming in. I've mentioned consumer duty. There's another review of the Consumer um, Credit Act coming up over the next couple of months. So whilst the regulator is looking at what we're doing and you can talk about disclosure and all sorts of other areas, it seemed, it seemed as though we thought, well, this is a good time to actually show that we're doing more. We're taking another step forward by, you, you mentioned self-regulation. We've now got to have our own, our own industry exam, which, which can't be a bad thing. It's always going to look um, more professional from the outside. Yeah, and it is an interesting one because I know several brokers that have substant, uh, sort of gone and done the CMAP or, you know, uh, after working in the industry for a while on the unregulated side, and then they've decided to do the CMAP and they thought it would be an easy thing because they've been in the industry and actually haven't passed it on the first time without, this is without reading any of the stuff because mm -hmm. they thought I've been living and breathing this, um, but, but there's quite a lot of, sort of memorization um, without wanting to sort of <laughs> um, sound too crude. How easy is this uh, or for somebody that's been in the industry or will it be sort of, you know, a lot of learning points in terms of regulations and everything for somebody that is a, a seasoned sort of professional? 
the first thing to, to know is it's this is the first all electronic. There's no book. There's no big thick book like CMAP to sit and read. This is all online. This is all electronic learning. It's very interactive. Uh, it's very 2023. There's there's click offs to go off into into other areas and learn externally. There's links to different things. If we're talking about valuations, for example, maybe a link off to, to the RICS to, to have a look at what they're saying. So so the, the learning uh, experience is very different to CMAP. It's very different. It's easier to pick up and put down because you're, you're doing it on your screen, you're doing it on your phone, on your tablet, or whatever. So in terms of learning, it's a lot easier because it's, it's in a media we're all used to using. Um, if you've worked in the industry and you know development finance, you know bridging loans, you're going to know a lot of what's actually being said. Um, but it's... There's going to be areas in there which you may not have remembered, you've forgotten, or, or you didn't basically know. So I think for everybody, there's something to learn within it. Probably the right way of, of couching it. But the most important thing is it's a brand new learning experience. It's that um, all electronic, the LIBF haven't done this before. So it's the way it looks and feels is fantastic. Yeah, no. And what are we looking at in terms of has a, a price been announced for it yet? Or Yep. Um, there's two elements to this. Um, one, house is funded. The industry's funded it. Um, our lender community is, is, is funding it. Um, so we funded it ourselves um, as an industry. We've all paid for it. It's going to be in the region about £1,500 um, for each lender, of which each lender will get three free entries and those entries are worth 250 pound each so the cost of actually taking it is 250 pound the net cost to each lender um helping fund this is actually only 750 pound to have a have an exam across the industry which it's is fantastic value yeah um, and the actual exam is is cheaper than i thought i can't remember yeah. how much cmap was but i think it was about that per course and yes, and there was yeah. three of them so it wasn't a a cheap thing and obviously this is it's a good sort of opportunity i would imagine for sort of people that are looking at coming into this industry or into just finance brokering in general um and going okay you've got two options really you can start off with this and start doing sort of on the unregulated side of things um or the the huge sort of hurdle of, of CMAP and and going through that traditional route, uh, which can take quite a long time. You're looking at sort of six months to a, a year of generally sort of quite hard. Well, depending on how quick you learn and everything, uh, but reasonable sort of study time. Um, and I think this is it's a good one. Is that something you're hoping to have? Is it as a sort of jumping off point for people or? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's we'll, we'll get people new to the industry that will want to take it, as, as I've already said. But the idea is that we all take it. That every t- you take it, David. I take it. Um, yeah. The, 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 we all we all have it um, as a as a badge. As I said on our on our emails, on our letterheads, wherever we have it, so that we don't all become part of this club that's taken it, and it doesn't become compulsory. But it but it's just all of us setting the standard and going back to all your questions. You know, ten minutes ago when you asked me about professionalism and everything else this is it this is actually demonstrating that that together as an industry we are wanting to be seen to be professional and behaving in a professional manner um and it's just another step down that road yeah no I, I i do like the idea of it and it's something that you know at some point i'll definitely 
do it and then I'll feed back to everyone on here um, how it sort of went. But I can imagine um, most of those because I did that and then the certificate in business banking um, and that particular exam I think there was about seven people that sat it with me and only two of them passed um, yeah. so it isn't something that you can just uh, I was one of them fortunately <laughs> I wouldn't tell that story otherwise but um, yeah. otherwise but it, it's one of those that it just shows that there are a lot of people that don't put the effort in either to improve themselves and I'm guessing this goes down as a, a personal development uh, sort of a tick in yeah. that box as well yeah. Uh, yeah. which yeah. is is handy for a lot of people um yeah. in terms of obviously sort of where you see the the market going um on the the sort of specialist side of lending have you got sort of any trajectory you'd like it to go as in continuing to be more and more uh, sort of professional and um more towards mirroring that regulated sort of experience or do you like the sort of diversity that the that it brings at the moment i think the success that we've all had been involved in in this for the last however many years is that we're allowed to innovate it's all the innovation that, that everybody produces whether it's a lender whether it's a broker it's putting together those solutions that um normally nobody would be able to think of you know and, and you can come up with a number of scenarios the same way as i can in how can you know solving that problem for a customer to get the funding they need to do a project or complete a project, whatever it is? And we can't put shackles around that, too many shackles around that. But at the same time, we can have loose um, and make sure we've got enough regulation to, to protect the customer, but allow that innovation to continue. And if we keep that innovation, then we're going to see this, this industry grow. I've already given you some numbers from where it was and where it's come to. And now, as we're seeing more mainstream we've seen more professionalism we're seeing more and more people using short-term products to, to short-term lendings to solve a problem then i think the industry is only going to grow and if you i'll give you one 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 example an example for everybody to, to consider really if you look at the changing faces of our high street for example um, who's going to lend on those premises that no, are no longer required for retail what part of the industry is going to lend on those to allow them to be converted into residential use and, and help the housing crisis. It's only us within the short-term development finance industry that can actually provide that type of funding to be able for that to actually happen. Yeah, no, I, and there's always a space and the amount of sort of choice that brokers have and borrowers have um, hopefully stays, uh, continues to be sort of quite vast because it, it just sort of the better, I guess the more competition, the, the better um, for everyone, really, because everyone just keeps on innovating. Um, I'm conscious of the time um, in terms yeah. of we, we don't have too long left. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to share in terms of anything that's coming up that FIBA's doing or um, anything else that sort of you want to draw people's attention to? Yeah, the only, th the only other thing which I mentioned at the very start was that um, we run something called the Specialist Property Finance Club, where what we've done, we've introduced some of our commercial lenders um, and our commercial lending products, sorry, bridging loan development finance, commercial mortgages into a residential mortgage club style environment. So where obviously people are used to using a club to, to arrange a residential mortgage, we've now actually started to put some of our commercial problem, uh, products into that same environment as a, as a mortgage club it allows easier access it, it allows more people to actually identify 
a solution for their customers. And, and whilst it's still in its early stages, it's something which I think we'll see develop over a period of time, particularly because some of the people that are becoming involved in our market want to use and are used to using that sort of that, that arrangement. So that's something else that will follow on more and more now once we once we've launched the education piece. That's probably the, the next phase for FIBA is to develop that out further. Oh, perfect. And where can people find that? And obviously, if they want to learn more about FIBA as well um, and the, the education, the certificate, uh, where can they get access to those? All of that is on FIBA.org.uk. OK, Quite that is simple. Yeah, everything's there. Perfect. No, that is brilliant. And then thanks so much for coming on, Adam. Really appreciate your time as always. Um, and we'll have to get you back on at some point, uh, a sort of bi-yearly or, or yearly sort of update on the industry would be great. But thanks ever so much for your time. I really appreciate it. No, thanks for the opportunity, David. Thank you.